set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Cause I want more of you. Cause I want, oh, stop talking about Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Cause I want more of you. Cause I want more.
I want to hear you guys sing that. No place I'd rather be. where things get broken. This is where you speak into things and speak growth into things. You speak life into things. You break things off in this atmosphere right here. This is what you came for today, to meet with him. Spend time with him. Talk with him in this moment. Lord, I speak to hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that hardness would be broken off right now in the name of Jesus. I pray addiction would be broken off right now in the name of Jesus. I pray life into their hearts right now, Father God. I pray spirit over their lives. Lord, I pray your love, your light, joy, peace, prosperity in this atmosphere right now. God, let it fall from heaven right now in the name of Jesus. We receive it in this atmosphere, God. Spend a few more moments with him. Just reach in right now and get what you need from him.
meditate on God. In the book of Isaiah, he got to see what heaven looked like, and he said these words, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up. He was exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were angels, seraphims, each with six wings. With two of them, they covered their face, and with the others, they covered their feet, and they were flying. And they were calling to one another, and these are the words that they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The whole earth is filled with His glory. I think sometimes we give God a, a kind of praise because we don't know what kind of God we're praising. We're praising a God in the Bible when Isaiah saw Jesus on the throne because we won't see Jesus on the cross again. Next time we'll see Jesus, he'll be absolutely on the throne, King of kings and Lord of lords. And you won't say, Jesus, I got a question for you. No, you would just bow down and say, holy, holy, holy. We serve a triple holy God where we have nothing to say at all when we come to his presence. Right now we get to worship him, but sometimes the smallness of our view of God gives us smallness of our worship. And the smallness of our view of God says, God, you can't deal with this problem, but I'll give you this part of my life. God, I'll give you this part, but, I, but you can't have this because, God, you're too small for that. But right now I want to tell you, God is bigger. God is greater. He is a holy, holy, holy God. And if you just release your praise to him, he will fill your life with his glory. And the answer that you're looking for is not maybe not the answer you're looking for. Maybe the answer you really need today is God's glory. God, just to fill your heart and to know that there is peace, to know that he is in control, to know that everything is right, even in the midst of the storm, when God fills it with his glory, I'm telling you, it's okay. So right now, we're going to worship one more time and don't hold back what God deserves today. For your 
your presence wrap each and every one of us God and who you are in your love God just let it envelop us right now 
change who we are, God, from the inside out. I pray, God, that we would remove all those old dead things and replace them, God. We're refreshed, we're renewed in you right now, God. We lay all of our burdens, all of our worries, God, all of our cares at your feet right now, Lord. There's nothing in this world that matters right now but you. In this moment, in your presence, nothing matters but you. I pray, Lord, that you would seal this moment. Seal it right now for us, God. Seal it in our hearts, in our minds, and in eternity. Lord, teach us today. Teach us, God, how to be more like you, how to love like you, how to look like you outside these walls. That people who don't know you, God, could experience you like this, like right now, God. Help us, God, to be the, the, the light, that channel, God, to those who are hungry in this world that are looking for something, God, to fill that void, to fill that hole. God, we carry you with us that we might be that light people see you, Lord, unhindered. Lord, we carry your presence, we carry your spirit throughout this service, through this whole week, Lord. Let this not be just a one-time thing right now, God, but teach us. Teach us how to quiet ourselves, Lord, because you'll meet with us just like this every day. Help us, God. Direct us towards you. Help all of our paths lead to you. We seal this time in the name of Jesus, and we give you, God, all the praise and all the glory. We thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Good morning. You guys can be seated. Ooh, I wonder what God wants to do in our midst more than anything else. And, and sometimes we get our shout on in here. That's what we do. You know, we worship God the way God wants to be worshipped. And sometimes it's in a quiet place. And sometimes it's in a loud voice. And I just, whatever God wants to do today, we, we allow him to be God. And if you're new today, my name is John. Welcome to this place. If you guys can greet one another, say hello. Greet the person next to you. Give them a handshake. Tell them what's up. And introduce yourself. That's right. Just love just being here. Thank you, guys. As, uh, as the guys come forward, we uh, get an opportunity to give. And uh, more than anything, I always revert back to Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of God. And it just means that put, if, if there's a kingdom of God, then there's a king. That's just how I like to put it. And uh, we put the king first in this place. This is his kingdom. This is his place. This is his house. We are his life. Uh, we are his, his, uh, his children. And uh, we say, God, we put you first. And his, his righteousness, we put the king first and his ways and all the things that we worry about, 
all the things that we think takes precedence over God, all the things that we make bigger than God, from, from the things that we worry about to our, even our own sin, the things that we place in our lives that we say, God, you can't, God, this, I know you can change that him or you can change her and you can change this situation. You can change that, but you can't change that in me. And we, we keep that thing, whatever it is in our lives, away from God. I'm saying just release it. All those things that we worry about, all the things that bear the weight on our shoulders, man, he, he, will, he will take care of that too when you, when you go to the king. And that, I'm just telling you, the king is in control. That's all I'm saying. He's in control. And as we give today, we give out of gratitude and out of joy. It's a part of our worship, part of our trust. And uh, uh, your tithe and offering go in here and it keeps this place going. Um, and I'm just so grateful for what God is doing and he's going to continue to do, and not through me, but through you. You know, through me, I can affect only a certain lives uh, that are in my life. But as we catch the vision of God for our life saying you know what I think I'm in there too that God wants to God has called me to and it's absolutely true and as that's how it multiplies not just in number but just in the effect and the love of God don't hold back what God has placed in your life because you're afraid of what people think it's funny because you you always say I'm not afraid of what people think but they're the very reason that we hold back everything we're holding back and people's opinion of us Man, don't let any of that hold you back from the life that God has for you, the life that you know you should be living, the joy that you should be grabbing a hold of, the people that you should bring into your life. Let's not dream about it. Let's be the church, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we give, as we live, as we sing, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. We want heaven, God. We want your the king to be here we want the king to be honored god and i pray more than anything that we can take away god let us get a bigger vision of who you are today in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen god bless you guys god bless you guys as you give here we go oh i'm not i'm not used to this lapel mic thing it's new i'm used to carrying something around but uh if you have your bibles please turn to mark chapter 3 yeah, Mark chapter 3. We celebrate the Word of God around here. We believe it reveals Jesus and Jesus changes lives. That's why we celebrate it. And uh, we believe that this Word is for us today. It's not just relevant for the past. The, what The words that Jesus has spoken is relevant for us right now. And at this time, I want Chase to come up and he's going to read to us uh, our scripture. And then we're going to run right in. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 3, verse 20. And we'll start from there. Starts at verse 20. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he called to them, and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. 
Then indeed he may plunder his house. And skipping to verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at all those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Man, that's the word of the Lord. So in this moment, Jesus sounds so hardcore. I'm just like, dang. Like, I don't think I can pull that off. Like, can you, can you imagine your, your mom and uh, your brothers are here? Uh, many believe that Jesus' dad passed by this time, or Joseph. And, uh, and so he's ba- being raised by this, this mom, the single mom being raised, has a couple brothers, has two brothers uh, that they know of. And uh, one of them got, uh, wrote the book of James, you know, and we talk about around here, if you can convince your little brother that you're God, you've done something, right? I can't even, you know, you can't convince your family that you're God. And so this is, this is what's going on right here. So last week we talked about the Sabbath. So if you missed the Sabbath, it was really, really good. And it talked about rest. How many of you guys just need rest? Yeah, we're, how many of you guys are really bad at rest? Like what your rest day is like, is taking the kids to the game and cleaning your house and doing a hundred million things. And you're saying, oh, what a restful day. And you know, sometimes you, we're talking about it, sometimes going to work is more restful than being at home, right? You're like, I, I need to go to work because there's less things to do at work. And so this is what's going on right here. Um, we talked about rest, rest, remember, and worship. It was a 4D vision of Sabbath. Dedi- number one, dedicate time, define it, remove disruptions, turn off your phones, turn off your phones. I am the worst at turning off, I turn on my phone immediately like, Oh, I'm just checking the time. Then you go on something else. You're like, oh, I've, I, I've looked at all the news stations. And then, then you just continue. You're like an hour later. You're like, I woke up at five so I can be productive. But I was, I've been, I'm on my phone for an hour and a half after that. And so it's, it's crazy. So remove disruption. Sometimes you need to just turn that off. When you're with your kids, parents, turn your phone off. Just because they don't say anything doesn't mean make it okay. Is that, is that okay to say? You know, I, there's moments that are, my, my son will actually say something like, hey, can you like spend time with me, right? But just because your son or your daughter are, are polite doesn't make it any better. It doesn't mean it's not affecting them. We are setting, we are setting a precedence for them. So make sure when it's family time, make it family time. Remove the disruptions because you so choose, you choose them. It's a choice that we make. And lastly, play defense, protect your rest and time to rest and remember and worship. Make sure that you do that. I love that uh, we learned one main thing last week, that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And, and in other words, Jesus was saying this, I am the Sabbath. I am Sabbath. I am your rest. And so we, you can try to find rest here, there, and the other place. But this is what he wrote in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle and at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Deep rest. So that's what we're doing today. Amen. We're finding deep rest in God and we're just continuing through the book of Mark. We're on our 10th message and we're only on Mark chapter 3, all right? So bear with us as we, I want you to meet Jesus. We know all, we know all about Jesus. We know like 
we know so many things about Jesus, but I want you to meet the Jesus of the Bible through the book of Mark. So we're rediscovering him through this book. And, and so our passage this week leads to the word, the Lordship. Say Lordship. Lordship. And, and the message today is liar, lunatic, and Lord. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to run right in. And thank you, Gio. Heavenly Father, teach us about your Lordship and teach us about what you did, Lord God, and who you are. And uh, give us a big vision of you, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So what is Lordship? Think about this. Lordship is a weird word for us, right? Lordship. What is, what is Lordship? I'm going to remove this a little lower to here because I'm loud. There we go. No, it's good. What is lordship, right? In the Bible, they understood what lordship was because they were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. They were being oppressed by the religious uh, uh, powers. They were being oppressed by their king. But lordship in Jesus' day was well understood, but it's a foreign concept for us, really. It is. We're like, oh, I understand that. The, the best thing that we know about lordship is maybe like politicians that, make, uh, that help uh, put the rules together or maybe uh, your boss or a CEO that it tells you what to do and you feel nervous and they can say whatever they want you're like okay i'll do it or, or just people in power i i think of lordship or uh like the uh, north korean dictator that's what i think right that is that is a that is an idea of lordship he is he whatever he says yeah look at that it's, it's a cousin of mine right <laughs> right kim jong-un right back in the day he he's like the king of North Korea. He's not, he's not like the fake king that they do, and queen like they do in England. Like what he says goes. There's fake kings that are put up in countries so they can continue the monarchy. But this is no fake king. He, the first thing he did was wipe out half his family that he thought would take power from him. He was like, I'm going to kill everyone. Well, that's a good idea. And, and that's what he did. And continually, he does these crazy execution. He does whatever he wants. He is boss, right? And back into the day, back in Jesus's day, there were kings and rulers and lordship was not a choice. People lived among vicious kings and rulers who abused their powers to get what they wanted. To speak up against the king, you would lose your privileges, your position, probably your life if you weren't careful. But a good king people would gladly serve. A good king, people would gladly cheer for and trust in his leading, in his judgment, and in his love. And I want to tell you today, we have a good king. And this king, he loves us. He rules justly. He cares for us. A king that lays down his life for his people. It's a servant king. And just because he lays down his life for his people does not diminish his power. Actually, for me, in my eyes, it would increase the power that he has. It's power under control. And I was thinking to do good for his people, to do good for the world. We have a king in Jesus, and we must respond to this king with honor, with worship, in service, to make his name greater. That is the goal. When you have a king, you honor him, you serve him, and you make his name great. You say, his kingdom come. And you can hear the, uh, the verbiage in the Bible as you read the Bible about kingdoms and kingship 
and, and, and a king. That's what you read as you read, when you hear the words of, of Mark as he writes down about Jesus. So growing up in church, we said a lot about like, uh, in, 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 most, in songs that we sung, we said, Jesus is Lord. And then in prayers that we prayed at the end, we say, Lord Jesus. And, and even in our salvation prayer in Romans 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he has raised him from the dead, it says, you will be saved. That sounds easy, right? right? I just need to say, Jesus is Lord, and really feel it, and boom, I'm saved. That's what I used to think, like, oh, that's it? I just, like, say the magic words, like, Jesus is Lord, right? That's what it says to say. And then I'm really believing in God. I'm saying it again, Jesus is Lord, and boom, salvation. Is that how it happens? And, and, and when I look at this verse now, I, honestly, that's how I thought it happened, right? I was like, oh, you just have to say the magic words, and then Jesus is automatically somehow saves you. But as you look at this verse today, I think it's very different of our confession, there's no magic prayer because I believe there's no cheap grace. Grace that God, that Jesus has died on the cross is not a cheap grace. There's not a cheap way to access him. When Jesus is talking about Lord, he's saying it's a surrender, a confession of surrender of my rights, declaring my life belongs to him. Jesus before me, not my will, but his will be done. And, and it's a confession of lordship. It's a confession. And this we don't like. We like Jesus as our homeboy. We like Jesus as our BFF and Jesus like saving us so we can have stuff. Like we, sometimes we have American version of Jesus. I've, I talk to people like God has now, now I serve Jesus. He has to bless my life. Like it's like a winning lottery ticket, right? Like you better bless my life, God, because I said Jesus is Lord. And then what happens when suffering happens? Is Jesus no longer Lord? Because I, I was reading a, a quote, if, if, the goal, if the meaning of life is our happiness, what happens when suffering happens? Do we lose our meaning? Think about that for a moment. How many times have we, uh, we've come into conversation, I was talking to a bunch of guys, I was like, what is like a win for your family? And, and they said, it's happiness. Like, we just want, uh, you know, the key is like just to be happy, I guess, right? And then what happens when suffering slips in there? Because we all suffer it. There's no one in this room who has not suffered, unless you're like 10 and under, maybe 18 and under. You had a good time, right? But no one in this room has not suffered. We all go through suffering. And when we go through those moments, do we lose the meaning of life? If that's the goal. Maybe there's a different meaning for us. Maybe there's a different purpose for you. See, that when, it, when we say Jesus is Lord, it's a confession of lordship responding to his cross. He's not just Savior, but he's Lord. To confess Jesus as Lord and not to submit to his power and authority is a contradiction. Is a contradiction. Think about that. Jesus, you're Lord. Okay, now it's about me. How contradict? Well, that's crazy, right? That's a crazy thought. Like, Jesus, you're Lord. Now how can you bless me? It's like being two years old, like saying, I love you, mommy. Now give me toys, right? How crazy is that thought? But do we do that with God? I love you, Dad. Now give me stuff. Give me blessings. And so I want to change our view of Christianity, of what salvation is and what salvation isn't. And salvation without lordship is not salvation. 
So if you're in this room and you grew up in church, and this is especially for us who grew up in church, and some of you, you, don't, you didn't grow up in church, you're just checking this Jesus thing out, but some of us, we grew up in church, and we really believe that our view of God is about us, that our salvation is about me. You're saving me, Jesus. You're doing this for me. And if we live in that way, I'm telling you, at some point in life, when you face suffering enough, you'll quit because your purpose is wrong. Because you got the wrong message. And I apologize that the church has been preaching the wrong message for too long. And we want Savior Jesus, but not Lordship Jesus. And Jesus is calling us to Lordship. That's why we have to check ourselves to see if that's what we really believe. Jesus said it this way. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Doesn't make sense. That's what he's saying. And, And so either Jesus is God... And he's right, and we trust him, and in his grace and his lordship over our life, or you're God, and you're right, and you trust you, and you have lordship over your life. Everything else falls into place with that one thought. See, sin itself is an issue of lordship. We think there's a hundred million sins that we can do against God. Actually, there's one sin, really. Either God is right, and you trust him, or you're right, and you trust you, and you can add God in here and there. That's one sin. And that was the sin of Adam. That was the sin of David. You can go down the Bible. Every person, they either trusted themselves or they trusted God. And, you, and we get to pick that. So that's with, a, with that premise, awesome, John. With that, this is going to be a little heavier today because that's where the message is taking us. We're jumping in to Mark chapter 3, okay? So then he, so Jesus comes home. There's a crowd around this house. He can't even eat, and he, he's okay with it. And, 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 and I love this part because his family's outside, and they want to seize Jesus. They want to grab him. They want to nab him, right? They just want to get him because the people are making fun of Mary and the family because Jesus is being Jesus. They're like, okay, let's grab Jesus. And the word of God says he's out of his mind. They're calling him. They're saying this dude is crazy. His family members, this dude is nuts. Jesus' whole family thought, let's take him home, get him on some meds, and put him in a straitjacket because he's a lunatic, right? He's telling everyone that he has the power to forgive, that he's been here since the beginning. He's pretty much saying that he is God. That's what Jesus is saying, right? And it shows me, and I found it really interesting that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there trying to nab Jesus. Think about that. Mary went through, like, had the virgin birth, had God talk to her, like, had angel choirs, had wise men see her. She has experienced so much of the supernatural in her life. And then years later, decades later, 33, 34, 35 years later, she's like, we better grab Jesus. He's making us look like a fool. So she, wants, she had a specific thought of how Jesus should be. But when Jesus moved out of how he should be in her mind, she lost that idea that this was really God. And and that's a heavy thought because I never thought about it this way until I started studying. I was like, Mary is trying to grab Jesus because she thinks he's crazy? I'm like, whoa, that's a weight. That's a weight and a half. But it shows me and shows all of us that faith is not easy. We will all be shaken. We will all face pressures. We will all have our doubts, right? We will all have our whatever, hashtag struggles, right? We will struggle and we will want to hold on to this and that. And Mary struggled with faith. I know you never hear that, but Mary struggled with faith. And our past experiences with God, 
I just want you to remind you of this. If you, if you have been in the church for a while, serving God for a while, your past experiences with God won't keep you. It just will not. You're saying, I remember when God did this in my life. I remember when this happened. And if there's no experience, no, no move of God, if your relationship with God is not continually growing, I'm telling you, it will not keep you. What got you going then won't keep you now. It just won't. And if you're in this room and you're holding on to how it used to be, how I used to talk with God, how I used to walk with God, how I used to be passionate with God, it's not going to keep you. It will not keep you. It did not keep Mary. It will not keep you. You have to have the moves of God. You have to have a relationship with God. You do. You can't be on maintenance mode. When the check engine light comes on, you got to acknowledge that there's something wrong. Some of us, we've been driving with the check engine light on way too long. Anyone driving with the check engine light on in this place? I'm just, I just wonder. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of us. Yeah, thank you, Ron. <laughs> Ron lifts up his wife's arm. I love it. Yeah, it's like you. Lift your arm. Yeah. Yeah, it, me, you, me too. We, we were like, what's wrong with our car? Like, we should get this checked. We should, we should acknowledge that there's something wrong instead of just continuing to drive. Like, we're ignoring it. Just put a sticker there so we can't see it, right? Just put a picture of your family. Like, it doesn't, like, and sometimes we do that with God. We just pretend like things are still cool, right? We got a picture of our family instead of the check engine lights. It's going off and we, we just pretend like nothing's going on. And I'm telling you, you've got to pay attention to where your relationship is. Because sooner or later, you will be shaken. And I plead with you, don't play church. This is not a club to attend. This is a family to grow with. I'm going to get, I'll just get more serious as we go. I just don't think you guys need lightweight stuff. I just don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, we need to walk in deep relationship with God, walking out our faith and life and our struggles together. And I say this around here, you faking your life, just faking it, like just faking like things are all good with the checked engine light going on is the worst thing for your neighbor right next to you. Because if Trent's like, I'm good, and I'm good too. Oh, you're good too. What else is this person going to say? I'm good too. And then everyone feels good. And when you're going through real struggles and real hard times, you don't feel like you have a place to be honest anymore. Because when you ask someone, how are you doing? Good. Kate's like, no, I'm not good, John. <laughs> I just had a baby. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. I need sleep. Right? If we all sit in a place where I'm good, you're good, high five, we're Jesus followers, and it's, it's all good, instead of really facing our struggles, that's the worst thing you can do. And I was really honestly thinking this, faking it towards God, how like, what a contradiction that is in our relationship with God. I'm so good with God that I just fake it all the time. I'm just smiling away, even though my marriage is a wreck, even though I'm in utter depression, I just don't want to face it. Even though I have all these going on, even though I'm addicted to pornography, even though whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is that you're feeling, and you're feeling the weight of the world, if you're all good, how can we hold each other up? How can we love on one another? How can you re reach out if we're all good because you think the rest of us are good? I believe at some point, we need, it's, it's beautiful when you're in a group, of, a group of people and everyone's like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And it's like, I've been doing crack for the last five days, right? And you're like, oh, man. You're like, 
really, you know, like finally some honesty, you know, and then someone else like gets honest, like I actually been really, like my marriage has been a wreck for the last year, and then it starts to get real honest in the whole room, because one person decided to be real, and then there's a beauty, and there's a healing, and in James chapter 5, verse 26, it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. There's healing in confession when you, when you know you can confess to those that love you, that will stand by you, that will walk through it with you. Let's stop faking the mess. We are called children of God. We have one king, and we're not celebrating our lives. We're celebrating what God has done. Honor that. Honor that. And so don't fall into this, uh, this picture over the check engine light. All right? Let's, uh, don't, it would, let's, let's just be real followers of Christ. Followers of Christ. When was the last time, man, that, that we just served together, struggled together? You're not a customer here. We are not customers here. If you've been, if, and, and I, I said that if you've been coming here for a while, don't fall into that self-focus where you have to keep your, your, your image up. It's doing no good. No one's reaching. And then some of us were like, no one's reaching out to me. And then I was like, well, who, who, who have you reached out to? Uh, no, one, uh, no one served me coffee this morning, right? No, we, we, and this is the self-talk that is so deadly because we talk ourselves out of something when God is trying to bring us into something, right? God is trying to bring us into We're talking self, ourselves out. When was the last time you did that for someone else, for others that you want done for you? Think about that word. You made a meal for somebody. You stepped out of your comfort to comfort someone else, even though you felt embarrassed. You invited someone over to your place, even though it was a little messy, right? You were part of the serving team, and you, you were part of the greeting team. That's what families do. If you were, came into your family, your family's house, I, will, I you know, you, your sons come home, Marcy, and they're like, feed me, do, clean me, clean my clothes, wash. If you'd be like, you'd backhand them, right? Because they're family. Family doesn't do that. You're not at a restaurant. You, we go to a restaurant to be served, but you come into family to serve one another, to love one another, to carry and bear the burdens. And when we're in here, let's bear the burdens. Let's carry it together. Amen? Amen. Do for others what you want done for you. And better yet, do for others even when it hasn't been done for you. Move beyond yourself out of the obedience of Christ, out of his lordship. Amen, John. That's good, right? So, so like, so uh, Mary and, her, and the two brothers of Jesus, they think Jesus is a lunatic. And then verse 22, the scribes come down. These guys are the leaders of the church and the guys who write down the laws, right? And they come down from Jerusalem saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. I, I like the word Beelzebub because it's a crazy word. I think it means Lord of the Flies, right? Beelzebub. Right? And by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. So these religious teachers, they're saying, he's the devil, I tell you, right? He's not God. He's the prince of evil, right? He has horns. He's a liar. He's been lying to us this whole time trying to trick us. Don't trust him. Now, what Jesus is doing here, he's healing people. He's casting out demons who are possessed. He's forgiving sin. He's helping people. And they're mad at Jesus because he's healing the wrong way. We can get so caught up in method of how things should go and, oh, it's supposed to go this way. And when Jesus is moving, you're like, oh, no, Jesus, you don't want to do it that way. You're healing wrong, Jesus. You're loving people wrong, Jesus. 
And we can get so caught up in church methodology that we miss holy moments in our life. I'm just telling you. There's moments where you should stop on your way to church because you've seen someone break down. I've totally done this. I had, to, I had church on Wednesday night, and I, and I saw these like an elderly folks break down, and I didn't stop. I said, oh, Lord, I pray for them. I hope that they're okay. That's garbage, man. That's weak sauce. That is weak sauce. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a messenger of God. I need to go to church and talk about Jesus and not be like him at all. And that convicts my life even today that I didn't stop. You got to stop because you got to stop. Because the message, we get so caught up, you know, oh, I'm on my way to church, I'm on my way to do this, I'm here to praise God. Then praise God when someone breaks down on the side of the road. Praise God when there's a homeless person in need. Praise God at Urban Outreach. Praise God with your life when your neighbors are really struggling. Don't just say, I'll pray for you. Won't you move in? Why don't you be light in darkness? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That is a totally different thing than praying for us. Some of us, don't pray for them. Do something. Do something. That is the message of Christ. Jesus didn't say, I'll pray for you, Colin. I'll just pray for you, man. You, know, you want to talk to me? No, don't talk to me. I just want to pray for you because I, I, I don't want to get messy. You know, I don't want to get my hands dirty. No, he moved in. He got messy. He got messy. And that's why they didn't like Jesus because he didn't do it their way. And I'm telling you, when God moves in your heart and speaks to your heart, you better do it his way and not your way. That's what it means to follow a king. That's what it means to follow a king. So here's Jesus. I'm going everywhere. I apologize. They're calling him a liar from hell. And finally, Jesus has enough. And his family is calling him a lunatic. They're calling him a liar. Right? And verse 23, and he called them to himself. He called all these guys. He's like, hold up, homie. That's what he said, I think. And he started speaking in parables. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, a house will not be able to stand. If Satan rises up against himself, he is divided and he cannot stand and is coming to an end. No one can enter a strong man's house. And it seems like he's flipping, but he's not. And to plunder his goods unless he first binds up the strong man. And for indeed, he may plunder his house. And Jesus is saying, if you're at war, you don't attack yourself. You lose that way. He's like, that's dumb, right? Then Jesus compares our world to a house. And you can almost think of it as a castle because that's, how, that's the verbiage actually that he's using. And he's like, there is a castle or a house of an evil king. And, and the castle is full of prisoners. And these prisoners, what he's really talking about is us. This world is full of prisoners, right? And Jesus is saying, there is a strong man who has imprisoned this world. And he's talking about Satan. Satan has imprisoned this world. And he's enslaved people, destroyed lives, trapping them through sin, which leads to death. And that's bad news. But Jesus says, but I got some good news. I'm stronger than him. I'm mightier than him. I have come to bind up the strong man, bind up the powers of Satan, rescue the prisoners. And this is the message of the cross. And this is the life of Jesus. Before you can get free, I need to come and rescue you. Deliver you. Immobilize the strong man. Relinquish the power of head of sin over your life. Because we think we, we can outmaneuver and outpower sin. I'm telling you, he's saying you can't. It's too strong. That's why there's the cross. Jesus, our king, has come to set the captives free from the strong man to, to empty out his castle of prisoners. But he did not do it the way that we thought he would do it. 
We thought he would come like his, his family thought he would come, uh, do it a certain way. The teachers thought Jesus would be a certain way, but he didn't do it by military force like the Roman Empire, but humbly through truth, through love, through justice and mercy, through hope, through sacrifice, a whole new way of living, taking on our sin, taking on our shame, carrying it. He said, you know how I'm going to free you? I'm not going to do it in a military way. I'm going to carry you. I'm going I'm to break your shame, break your hurts. I'm going to carry your hurts on the cross. And C.S. Lewis wrote in the book, Mere Christianity, he wrote these words. He, he says, I'm, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying really foolish things that people often say about Jesus. People say things like, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a good, great moral teacher, but I don't believe he's the son of God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a, uh, merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg. And I guess that was funny back then. It's not as funny now, right? Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as the demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about being a great human teacher. He has not left that open for us. He did not intend to. And what C.S. Lewis is saying, what he's saying is Jesus left us no room to call him just a good teacher. He's either the worst of all liars, leading people astray, giving them false hope. Or he's a crazy man who lost his mind, he's out of control. Or he is Lord, he is God, and he has changed all history by a sacrificial love and costly grace. And if he is Lord, he deserves our worship, our surrender, our lives. And the biggest question out of this thought today and what Mark is writing is who do you say that Jesus is? Liar, lunatic, or Lord? If Jesus is Lord, then how does that truth match to the way you live? So I'm going to come, come at you for a little bit. Enjoy. Because I had to do that to myself. If Jesus is really Lord, how can that be seen in your life? Your purpose your mercy, is your mercy and your empathy or your apathy, whatever you're leaning into, any different because God is Lord of your life? Is there empathy in your life that when you see someone going through hardship or when you see someone at a place that it breaks your heart? Or, does it, or do we do the Christian thing? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And I, I think prayer is so important and it's needed in this church. And please pray for me. But I'm telling you, we need to move past just an outlet, just an, just an out for us. Is, is it changed in your mercy, your love for others? Do you love others like you love yourself? Or do you love yourself so much that it's hard to even love others? I think that's what Jesus was saying. We love ourselves so much. How can you even love others when you love yourself that much? Right? Your time, your giving, your integrity, your business. If, is Jesus... Is, is Jesus is either Lord or he's not. But let's not play church knowing all about Jesus than doing nothing he says. There's no such thing as selective lordship. There's no such thing. Let's stand today as we close.
Today specifically, you know, I want to ask you, just with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, I want you to really think about this. And this is a challenge for those if, um, man, this is a challenge for you guys who, who have claimed Christianity and said, I'm a Christian and this is what I live by. Today specifically, look at your life, your own life, and ask yourself, if someone looked at my life, would they know Jesus is my Lord? Think about that for a moment. Would they know? We, I hear Christians say, and I say these things too, you know, I just want to love them so much that at some point they're going to be like, hey, you're so different. It's what's different about you? Then I can tell them about Jesus. That's, that's, that's a good myth that we have made up to feel better about ourselves than not express the love of God through our lives. At some point, we have to stand firm on what God says. And the Bible does not say, oh, just like, just pretend that you're just so awesome. And then people will ask you uh, about the Jesus in you. And he's like, no, tell about Jesus. Express the love of God. Give like you mean it. Live like you mean it. He says, don't, don't, don't cop out, man. Let me push a little further, of course. Ask yourself, is my faith about God and His purpose? Or is my faith about me and my happiness? Is He Lord or am I Lord of my life? I believe we have a lot to think about today. Now, if Jesus is Lord, then I say this, get in on what He's doing. Get in on it. Jesus came to bind up the strong man. We need to join in on that. Bring hope in darkness. Bringing grace for pain. Even though you get nothing in return, can we respond with grace? It's not like we give Jesus any added benefit. Really. It is love. It is not, it's amazing, right? It's like, it's like our kids. It's not like our kids give us any added benefit we just love them i don't know what we're out of our mind right we just love them they like slobber on us and puke on us we're like so cute right and it's so crazy that god loves us in that sort of parental kingdom way though that he says you give me no added benefit but i love you and in our lives can we love people in that way we're saying i love you out of my love for god out of obedience for god Get in on that. Love the unlovable because you were unlovable. I pray today we must join in and allow God to use us to restore. Say the word restore. That is your role as Christians is restoration. God, God has done the redeeming. We are part of the restoration in our families, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our world. And it will cost you because it's supposed to cost you. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray that we are part of the restoration and it will cost us heavy and it might cost us more than we're willing to give, but it's supposed to, God. It's supposed to. If you are king, how can we give you scraps and say, yo, you're king of my life? God, I pray we play no more games. We read your word as it is and we say, change our lives. Today, I will not cheapen grace. How can we believe that God gave everything and not respond in kind? I'm just calling all of us out because we are the only Jesus some people will ever meet. No pressure, but there's so much at stake, guys. 
And this is the call of God to be in his family, is to do what he did. He said, Jesus said this in Mark, Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Who is my sister? Who is my mother? For whoever does the will of God, that's who. And he's not trying to be mean. He's just trying to be honest. If you're in this room today, and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you might know him as buddy and best friend and a good guy and a good moral teacher, but you're here and God is speaking to your heart and you need to confess and just repent and say, you know, I need to get right. If that's you, just raise your hand. Who cares is around you? If God is God, God is God. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone who has raised their hands. God, I pray for a fresh, Lord God, a spiritual move in their life, God. I pray for love that consumes them, Lord God, that changes the way they view life, that changes the way they view their family, that changes the, the way they view their purpose, God. If you are Lord, you are Lord. And I pray for the rest of us in here. If we call ourselves family members of God, do what he says. We have no excuse. And if you mess up, get back up again. And if you fall down, get back up again. That's why we have the family here. Heavenly Father, empower these people to be family members of your kingdom, God. We have one king and you are Lord of us. We thank you. We love you. And as we leave today, we say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give God praise, man. Put your hands together. So as you go today, get into each other's lives, man. Get honest. If you don't know people, ask them their names. If you, I, I, I'll try to introduce myself to everyone that I can. But man, we need to be a family of God. Amen? God bless you guys. God bless you guys.